Hey, y'all, and welcome to Beyond 1894. It's Louisiana Tech University's official podcast. Um, today in studio, we have Stacy Gilbert. She is one of our deans in the uh, Division of Student Advancement, and um, she is also a graduate of Louisiana Tech. And so today with Stacy, we're going to talk about her tech journey. We're going to talk about um, how important student success is to her and how those two things connect. So Stacy, thanks for being here today with yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so tell us about your tech experience. You grew up in Arkansas and Though people up there joke about us being lower Arkansas, we are not. Um, so tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so actually, I'm a. Tr- I was a transfer student. Um, I went to University of Arkansas for a year and a half. Um, I had the opportunity to walk on to play volleyball at Louisiana Tech. I had to sit out. Of course, coming from a semester school to a quarter school, um, I sat out from December to March, and I started um, coaching a junior Olympic AAU volleyball team. Um, loved it. That's what I wanted to get my degree in. Um, was health and PE. And um, so when I talked to the volleyball coach at the time about um, continuing to do that, he was, he did not, he discouraged that a little bit. The time commitment was going to be a little bit more than um, would allow for me to continue doing that. So I decided not to play volleyball, um, but I ended up uh, continuing to coach and loved that experience. Um, I worked as a student worker later, a year later, um, in athletics. And so I worked in the academic center, worked there, and then I was student teaching and I was asked, do you want to come back and get your graduate degree and do an internship in athletic administration? I thought, oh, you know, put off the real world. Sure, absolutely. Let's do that. Um, And so then I worked um, in athletics for 12 years and I was the assistant athletic director for academics. Um, My Louisiana Tech story is I love Louisiana Tech. I enjoyed my experience here. I laugh and say, you know, that's why I've never left. (laughs) Three months after I graduated with my undergrad degree, I worked full time and I've been here for 27 years, which is hard to believe. Um, When I was in athletics, I worked with all student athletes, all 16 sports. So I was the only academic person in athletics at the time. And um, but I especially loved that first year working with first year students. And since I was 22 working with student athletes um, and freshmen, I called them my babies because it helped me kind of separate a little bit. Um, but I, I knew that there was so much room for error in that first year. And so when a position came open to start a first year experience program on campus, I was like, yes, that would be great. Um, and again, it's because I didn't do it great. I didn't do that first year. There was no reason academically. I was very prepared, um, came from a great environment, but I just couldn't get it all together. Um, and so to be able to help students kind of navigate that was really important. That's that's interesting because that's the thing you and I have in common we were talking about before we hit record on this episode was that we both had rocky first years um and but it is a rite of passage almost and we have to figure out how uh, how to make the best of the things that 
we mess up often, right? And it, is that a thing that you talk about in first year experience? Always. Um, you know, and I laugh and say we, we probably um, learn way more from the poor experiences, poor decisions, than we learn from the good experiences. And, and remember that, that the, the choice that you made or the decision or the situation you find yourself in doesn't define you unless you allow it to, how you respond to it, that starts to define you a little bit. Um, And so how do we kind of make some corrections? But isn't that life? How to go, you know what, maybe that wasn't the best decision, or maybe I should have made a a different decision. And how am I going to respond to that? How am I going to adapt? And I think that that's what, you know, student services is about putting those resources there for students. um, But they've got to reach out for those. So tell us exactly what it is taken care of in your area. You work with the BARC, first-year experience still. Um, tell us about the other yeah. areas. So my title is Dean of Student Services and Academic Support, which that pretty much covers a lot of things. <laughs> um, and so it's perfect for my personality um, to kind of have different interests and be able to work um, with different areas. But two, I think it's really it's necessary in that it allows me to connect dots for students, place them with a safety net that's overlapping in different areas. So the areas that I oversee are dual enrollment, um, the first year experience, the BARC, academic tutoring, the writing center, testing and disability services, financial aid. Um, I also oversee tech care, which is our student health center. Um, and I also oversee counseling services and career services. So it's the gamut of really of, of student support services, not only um, in my areas, there are a lot of other support areas out there, but it does allow for some overlap and handoffs, which I think are extremely crucial. And I think some of the most important things about Louisiana Tech is that that we do know people across campus and I'm picking up the phone to call someone in financial aid. I'm not telling you to go to financial aid. Um, the directors know one another. They meet with one another all the time. And um, and it's not just in our division. It's across the departments, the associate dean for engineering or the associate dean for liberal arts. I'm going to call them, you know, and, and I have a relationship with them, which I think is a huge benefit for our students. So it it also feels like those areas that you talked about are are things that weren't necessarily prioritized when we were in school. Um, I I can't ever remember knowing where counseling services was when I was in college. I knew where the health clinic was. You know, there were things that I knew about. Um, How do you think we can help parents understand that these resources are here to help their students, you know, so their students aren't just thrown into this big adult world on their own? You know, uh, one of the areas I failed to mention is that it's a huge um, piece, I think, of support services is orientation. Um, and that's one of the areas I get to work with as well. Um, and we, we, unlike a lot of institutions, have continued to prioritize that orientation experience. Um, a lot of institutions and universities across the nation have gone to more of, this is your opportunity for course scheduling. While course scheduling absolutely happens at orientation, um, we take it a step further. We want you to build relationships. We want you um, to get to know your peers. We want you to get to know us. 
but we also want your parents and families, whatever your support system is, to also feel comfortable um, with the support services that are here. And we make sure that they know that. We spend an entire day with parents. So um, a lot of times my friends are saying, Stacy, really a three-day parent orientation, that, that's a lot. And it is, but it's very intentional. Um, we want the parents to know what resources exist for their students because we can tell our students all day long that these exist, um, but the parents are going to be the ones to remember, you know, to say, here, go try this, or have you thought about that? Um, and to incorporate them into the success of students is in everyone's best interest, including ours. Um, so we try to make sure that they're as well equipped as the students are, um, because by and large, students are going to go to their parents first. Um, and they're going to have that information. They may not remember, you know, the exact details, but they have our contact names, they have our email addresses, they have our phone numbers, um, and they can reach out to us and ask those questions. And then we can get the students in. Um, and then the students can start to do it for themselves. But a lot of times that first initial contact um, may come from a referral to faculty because that, that happens a lot, thank goodness. And on this campus, I think it's, it's even better than a lot of places um, as far as faculty referrals, walking them to counseling services, walking them to the bark, that genuine interest. Um, but parents are also going to be a part of that conversation. And so we want to make sure that they're uh, equipped as well. The student has to do it themselves. Um, and that is a part of the process and a very important part of the process to stu for students to learn how to become independent. So we want to have the conversation with students by law, we have to have the conversation with students. Um, but we can listen all day long to parents. And that's what we tell parents. And I think you and I talked about this a lot, because we're both parents, we both have a Marley. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it is interesting being a parent and seeing parents uh, bring their kids in, um, bring their students in. And, um, and helping parents process the change as much as it is a change for a student, right? And and I, I have had discussions with grandparents who are guardians and parents about, you know, we we will we've got your your kid, we've got them. Um, so tell us about what what is one of the most important things that you could tell a parent. Um, I'm sure you tell them at orientation. I'm sure you tell them every time they call. So talk to us about that. Yeah. Um, we as parents, or me as a parent, let me speak about my own experience. I want to handle situations for my kids. I do. And I want to know that it's being taken care of. Um, but where do we learn the confidence as, as individuals? And it's through those experiences um, to learn how to handle our own business. And that that's what is such a great thing about college is it is a protected environment. It's a safer environment. It's not the real world consequences a lot of times. And so this is the perfect experimentation let them learn how to do some of those things, how to write the email, how to make the phone call, how to do those things, because that's the only way they're going to gain the experience to do it. And it's hard. You know, as a parent, I want to know that it was taken care of. Let me do it. I, I can check that off my box. You know, I've got 15 things I want to do. Um, but that doesn't help your student 
learn to be confident in it. You, you've got to do to be able to be confident. And that's what we want them to do is to become confident. Um, so those are the messages. We want to talk to the students. I want to meet the students. I want to have the conversation. Um, the student less wants to have the conversation with me. And I get that. Again, I've raised two. And so I, I know that they, it's uncomfortable, but it's so important to learn it here. Um, before they get it out into other consequences and big world consequences um, to be able to learn how to handle those sort of things. And they will figure it out. They do. Um, and we're here to help when they get purged. They may not get the perfect schedule again, and that will be okay too. They will think about it at every 8 a.m. class that they didn't want to take. <laughs> oh, yes, I probably need to remember to, to remember to confirm or, you know, pay my, for my classes. So those lessons are learned and they have to be learned at some point, sometimes multiple times. For some of us hard-headed individuals, it has to happen a couple of times, but that's important. And I think it's hard for parents because we do worry about the consequences. Well, you, you, this person is from you. This, you know, this person is yours and you want to make sure that their life is as smooth as humanly possible. But at the same time, they'll gain by it not being as smooth as humanly possible. So, I, you know, we we talk about that frequently in our house. We do. And, and it, it's, you know, I, I laugh a lot of times. And my own children have had to um, live through life lessons of my job, right? I'm much different parent, I think. Um, than I would have been had I had a different career. Uh, I love this population. I love this age. And so when my own children get to this age, it's fun to watch. Um, And to put your own advice into practice sometimes is a little bit harder. Um, (laughs) But it is really important, and you see that um, from little things like making my daughter at a very young age order her own meal at a restaurant she was very shy and it was very difficult for her. Um, but those kind of having those conversations are important. Um, little things like that, um, to gain some confidence before they have to do it and have no confidence, I think is, um, is real key. But, you know, our students on this campus, it's so fun to watch how engaging they are. And I think that, Um, When you walk across campus, one of the things that struck me when I transferred um, at University of Arkansas, I would walk across campus and barely speak to anyone. And I remember when I transferred, walking across campus, people spoke. And I still see that, like students speak to you. Um, They say good morning. Um, Sometimes they don't when their earbuds are in, they don't hear you. Uh, But, you know, it it is a very engaging campus. And I think that um, that's that's very special about that, um, about this campus. That's an important cultural part of this campus that that I think is to outsiders don't don't get until they become a part of the tech family. Yeah, or visit the campus. You know, I had um, alumni right before um, Thanksgiving break. He was on campus, and he graduated in 1972, and it was the first time he'd been back um, since then, and so campus had changed a lot, but he pointed to Howard and said, is that Howard? And I said, yes, and that's still Wiley Tower, yes. And so it's fun, and he 
commented on the fact that how many people had stopped and spoke to he and his wife um, and kind of asked, is that is that something that y'all encourage? And I said, not directly. You know, I think our students just tend to do that. There have been many situations where um, a family will come back and they'll say, well, this is kind of our second tour, but our first official campus tour. I'll say, what do you mean by that? Well, we just stopped on campus and a student showed us around. They could tell we were new. Our students do that. They walk around and, and they see that someone is just visiting campus for the first time and they want to share Louisiana Tech with them. And I, I, that's pretty special to me, watching students pick up trash as they walk across campus. That's, that, that's, that shows how much pride um, and those things are really special about this campus. Well, and that, that brings me to culturally – uh, we were, Stacy and I sat by each other at the this past graduations breakfast um, where we, we get to sit and we get to talk. And we talked about, because we had a new, a new associate dean who was serving in his position for the first time, um, and, and we were kind of giving him the business but not giving him the mean business. Um, and we talked about the coins. So tell us about the, the medallions. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool. And, and I didn't start the idea. The idea was already in play before I um, took the position um, on campus. But there was a conversation um, within student advancement, student affairs then, but student advancement about how to help students feel more connected to the university. Tradition is very important. And there are a lot of things that we do um, that promote the tradition. Um, But what can we do more to help them feel a part of it? Um, It was not lost on us that while orientation is important, we never get the whole first year class together. Um, And so uh, if you notice, I say first year as opposed to freshmen, because now they're not necessarily classified as freshmen because of dual enrollment and different things. So there's a real intentionality behind the first year student. And so how do we help them feel connected as a class? And so there was an old idea of a convocation. Um, It's, again, not a new idea, but we wanted to bring it back. And um, in bringing it back, we wanted to show, kind of begin with the end in mind is what we were thinking. Show them this medallion that we wanted to then gift as a token of their investment in the university and a lifetime connection to the university. and so how do we how do we do that? What what does this ceremony look like? And so we talked all about convocation. The day that the medallions came in, and again, this was a brainchild with um, Dr. King, who is the vice president for student advancement for years. Um, and we still keep him around. We haven't let him retire <laughs> completely yet. Um, and Dave Guerin, who was your predecessor, and they just kind of dreamed up what this medallion would look like. And so the first prototype came in. And um, we were sitting around in the student affairs office and Dr. King was holding it in his hand and he dropped it. And it was kind of a (gasps) collected (laughs) gasp of, oh my gosh, he dropped the medallion. And he looked at all of us like, what do I do? And he jumped three times and we giggled, you know, like, ha ha ha, because you have to do something to reverse the curse of dropping the medallion. And, um, And so it became a 
inside joke about any time a medallion drops, you need to jump three times. And so we were talking about that at the graduation breakfast and um, just kind of laughing about how that happens and the deans are kind of in on it and some know and some do it. And we, um, but those inside jokes and those connections are important, not just for our students, right, but for us as well. Um, and then, you know, thinking about how do we get the medallions back if we place it in their hand? And that was something that we talked about when they come in the door, we want to put this medallion in their hand, the weight of it, the responsibility of being a tech student. Um, and then how do we get it back? And laughingly, we were like, I don't even know who said it, but someone said, can we throw it in the Lady of the Mist? Haha, like a wishing well. And it was like, oh, wait, can we do that? Maybe we can. Um, so I was charged with coming to ask Dr. <laughs> Renault at the time, can we do that? And he was a little bit worried about it, you know, protecting the lady and not having them thrown at her, which um, we totally understand. But, um, and that there becomes a tradition. How cool. Who gets to do those kind of things? And so those are really personal kind of experiences, but um, they become personal to our students as well. You see students who are taking pictures with their roommates and then they want to recreate it with their medallions once they get them at graduation. Um, there was the flood in Baton Rouge and the young woman had lost her medallion and she was very upset about it. It was one of her most prized possessions and how was she going to get it back? And so those kind of things that, that this matters to our students and our, to our alumni, and they do feel connected. Um, it's been really fun to watch and really special to be a part of. Well, and then that reminds me of how many alums I have who have gotten medallions, who work with me on my team, and they keep their medallions there. You know, that it is important. Um, so to wrap everything up, Tell me about your favorite spot on the Louisiana Tech campus and why. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, it's funny. So when we first did the medallions and there, we had the prototype, there was um, the clock tower um, was a part of it to tie in the alumni walkway. Again, another great tradition and um, spearheaded by student advancement and Jim King. And um, and so we were going to tie that in. But then when the lady became such an important part of convocation, we changed the design, um, and actually one of your employees, it's his photo that we used for the design of the lady. Um, the lady's definitely my favorite place. Um, I just love that it's the center of campus, and even if it's not really the center, it feels like the heartbeat. Um, the fact that she was facing the original columns, the fact that she was welcoming new students and bidding farewell. Um, the fact that it was commissioned by Association of Women Students and um, female faculty in the art department, and she's extremely feminine. And, you know, all of those things, um, the fact that we had to do without her for a while, um, and then she came back, and how she's protected now and revered, um, it wasn't necessarily that way when I was in school, and it's definitely become that way now. Um and how students just kind of gravitate to the quad. They love the red tables in Centennial Plaza, and I love the patio outside Tolliver, um, but there's a specialness about the Lady of the Mist. Um, there are many times where I have meetings in a, on a bench in front of the Lady of the Mist, and a lot of times I laugh and say it's because I want to be reminded why we do the work that we do, um, and there's no better place to be reminded of that than the center of campus, um, and having a meeting, talking about services or 
or how to best engage students, that's the best place to kind of remember the reasons why. And that's definitely my why. Well, cool. Thanks, Stacy, for taking the time today to talk to us about your tech journey and student services and how we can best help our students be successful regardless of what happens to them in their higher education journey. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Beyond 1894. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about this episode, check out our show notes. Beyond 1894 is produced by Louisiana Tech University's Office of University Communications.